Hey rock stars, I'm Lydia Billings. And I'm Colleen Starcoke. And you're listening to Rules Aren't Real, a Rowan Coaching production. Have you ever followed a rule that didn't end up serving you? Here's an example. I can't be an artist and make money. Or how about this one? You can't start a new career after 30. Colleen and I want to explore why people often follow these rules, even though they aren't always awesome. Every other week, we'll dissect and debunk a societal, cultural, or individual rule invented by humans. We'll also look at some of the neuroscience behind why we're wired to follow the beaten path. On the alternating weeks, we'll interview a super rad real-life guest who has achieved badass results by completely breaking the previous week's rule. Get ready to climb out of that box, folks. Welcome to Rules Aren't Real. Hello, everyone. Hi. <laughs> Welcome hello, hello. to a new episode of Rules Aren't Real. I'm Lydia. I'm Colleen. That's Colleen. And we have with us a very special guest. Everyone, Zoe is our guest today, and Zoe is the co-founder of a group called SASI, which stands for Soft Smiles Association for Submissive Education. And Zoe primarily identifies with the following labels. Feminist, submissive, little, masochist, and slave. Zoe has taught classes on submission, navigating the lifestyle, and being single while submissive, which I think is awesome. Zoe is based in New York and can be found learning the depths of her own submission, experimenting with various types of play, and enjoying cupcakes. Very important note. Who doesn't? (laughs) Absolutely. Cupcakes are a big deal with me. (laughs) So, Zoe, can you tell us a little bit about Sassy and what that name means and and how that was created. Sure. So SASE or Soft Smiles Association for Submissive Education is something that really started in the scene itself. My best friend Victoria and I started it together. Uh, Unfortunately she's had to step away from the organization for personal reasons. It started because we found that there was just a lack of education for women, especially bottoms, just in general. And You had all these different classes for being a top, you had so little available to you as a bottom itself. A bottom, for listeners who are unfamiliar with kind of the terminology, is the same as a submissive, Mm -hmm. correct? Correct. On the receiving end is basically the best way to put it. Got it. And so we decided that instead of sitting there complaining about it, we'd do something. And so that's really where the organization began, and it was kind of just the two of us planning different things together and thinking, what would we be interested in? What could somebody else bring to the table? Sassy or Soft Smiles Association for Submissive Education is actually a fart joke, which <laughs> I find really funny as women are not supposed to, you know, even address that as a thing. Amazing. So Soft Smiles, um, when Victoria happens to have let a little go, she looks at me and gives me this very specific look with this very soft, ladylike, demure smile. And so that's where it came from. Um, and then within the organization itself, we realized that there were a lot of women who had a hard time putting both parts of their life together. We have a lot of women who have these really strong jobs and do these really great, huge things with their day-to-day, but then at home identify very differently. And so we you know, noticed that. I even noticed that in myself. Like I do a job that's very time-consuming. I'm responsible for a lot of other people and very different in my personal life when I choose to be. 
for my job that pays all of the bills I have, I actually run the day-to-day -day operations in education. So I control what happens to a lot of children in a school building. And so in worrying about that, in taking this high responsible job, um, it sometimes doesn't exactly correlate with my identification. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. We've been, so the, for those of you who um, were with us last episode, just as a refresher, the rule that we're talking about breaking today is this rule that empowered feminists can't be submissive or can't identify as submissive. Mm -hmm. And Zoe, what you're starting to point to is really perfect. Just the, the differences between the energy you express at your work Mm -hmm. and the way that you uh, identify in your personal life. So I actually before, would love to hear... Go ahead, Colleen. Oh, sorry, Lydia. I was just wondering, before we actually get into the rule itself, I'm wondering, you know, last episode we spent some time exploring different definitions. That's what I was going to say. Both feminism... <laughs> <laughs> I spoke too soon, I'm sorry. <laughs> both feminism and submission and, and being submissive. So what are your definitions? So when I think of feminism, I think that I have the ability to choose whatever I want for myself. And so whether that means mm -hmm. I do um, choose to work towards this high-powered job or this, this very um, big responsible figure or I want to choose to be this way in my relationship, it's a conscious choice that I have the right to make because I am equal to anyone else. Mm -hmm. And so in submission, for me, it's the idea that I prefer to, I prefer to defer to my partner in many ways. And mm -hmm. so it's not just the idea that um, in the bedroom only or, or out in public, but we have specific things that we have established, whether it's the relationship I'm in now or previous relationships, that both work for both of us. Mm -hmm. So we together have agreed on these terms and on these different ways that we prefer for our relationship to be. Mm -hmm. And so it's not the idea that I think all relationships should be this way or everyone should <laughs> interact in this way. It's how I choose right. in my relationship as an equal person to have that power imbalance. Why do you think that this idea, this idea of being a submissive is such an obstacle for some feminists? Well, here you are taking this role of deferring to someone else and allowing either someone else to make decisions or... Uh, as for some people, it's like that 1950s household of, uh, I like to do chores, I like to cook, I like to clean, and I like to provide in that way for my partner. And so, in a way, it seems like you're taking that step back from where feminism has gone, has gone away from, like, you, you know, um, must cook and clean and take care of your husband. You know, right. it, feminism has taken a step away from that, of course, in its own right, not saying it's right or wrong but that women have this choice now to not do that. That's part of my way of showing care. And how do you, how do you sort of refute this? Like, what, what is it that you would say to a feminist who... Who's like, wait, what you're doing isn't feminist. Right. Like, what would you say to that? It's an active choice. No one's forcing me to do this. It's a choice that I'm making for myself. It's mm -hmm. the idea that if tomorrow I decided I didn't want to do this anymore, I have the ability and the right to step away and say no. 
And I know that my partner will respect me in that way. That's what we've established, but relationships always grow and change. Mm -hmm. And so if that's the change I want or I need to make, then that's something I know whoever I'm with will very much act and acknowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you remember, Zoe, when you realized, like, when did you first break this rule? The rule, right, being that an empowered feminist can't be submissive. Like, were you, were you expressing being submissive in relationships and then you kind of later started to have conversations with people who refuted that? Or, or like, how did, this, how did this start for you? Was it a choice you consciously made or was it like, this is just what I like and then you figured it out <laughs> later? Sure. Um, so in a previous relationship, I was actually dominant. And um, I called all the shots and everything, both at work and at home. And somewhere, some way, something had to give. Um, and when that relationship ended, I decided to seek out what I had provided for someone else. And I realized mm -hmm. that what I had provided for someone else might actually be what would feel fulfilling for me. And so I just started to search out partners who identified in the role that I had been in. Did you have any sort of process um, as you were making this transition? Did you have to reconcile um, what you wanted with what you had been taught as a feminist? Or was it a very easy transition for you, sort of emotionally or mentally? Oh, my goodness. There was so much that I had to reconcile. I mean, just <laughs> any sort of physical contact, especially if it was aggressive, it's like, excuse me, no, you absolutely cannot put your hand on my throat. And then, no, it's kind of interesting and I kind of enjoy it, but like, I'm not supposed to. I, it would be hurtful towards anybody, you know, um, being touched in such an aggressive way. And so then it was the idea of like, well, is that okay if I enjoy it and I consent to it? If it's mm -hmm. something that's pre-negotiated. Well, if I'm agreeing to this, then it's my ability to choose to right. do this. Mm -hmm. it, maybe it doesn't make me a bad feminist to enjoy this. Totally. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> I imagine that part of the reason you co-founded Sassy with uh, your best girl, Victoria, was to help other women who were making this transition uh, have some tools and resources to kind of figure out what was what. Uh, is that... Is that the case? Absolutely. I really do love taking on, like, I, I call them, like, new babies. I really love taking them on and, and <laughs> seeing how they grow and develop and, like, come. everyone starts off, for the most part, like, really timid and shy and just, like, this is nerve. It's, it's nerve-wracking because you're really exposing part of yourself that really many people don't get to see. It, it's kind of like they bloom and they, they flourish and they get really comfortable after like maybe the first class or the first meeting and they get really super comfortable and everyone's personalities start to shine and really get comfortable. And so seeing how these girls grow, I kind of call it similar to compersion, which uh, in polyamory is when you really enjoy seeing your partner enjoy another partner. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I feel it in a very platonic sense. Like I really love watching these girls develop these relationships and friendships and really flourish and, and find who they are or mm -hmm. who they, they might be within the organization and really learning more about themselves. Like mm -hmm. this really beautiful mama bear feeling that like just makes me super happy. <laughs> That's we're awesome. Familiar, we're familiar with that feeling, huh, Lydia? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, I'm, I'm really curious to hear a little bit without sort of giving away the gold, but like what does it look like to be in a class 
that's hosted by Sassy? What is it that you guys are doing? Sure. Um, so we usually survey or ask different girls, like, what do you want to learn? What do you want to find out about? What What is it that, like, draws you? Or what would you love to just find out about yourself that maybe you never even knew? We get some ideas from different girls, and they throw out these different things, and we're like, well, what what can we find? Who do we know that can present on this? Or what information or resources can we gather to really find this all together? And... Uh, we usually find this really wonderful presenter either in New York City or outside of New York City. Luckily, we've had some really great presenters who tour or um, they'll even just come here purely to present for us, and we're incredibly humbled by that because it's just this amazing thing that someone goes out of their way for. And it's a bunch of girls, and we all kind of get together. And we do not, when we say female, we think of uh, female-minded. We do not base it on genitalia by any means. So there are these beautiful women in the room and they're just sitting there kind of ready to soak up knowledge. Some of them it's kind of like that first day of kindergarten where they're really nervous and antsy. <laughs> and then there are others who it's like who it's like college and they're ready and they're prepared and all they want to do is just sit there and soak in what everybody else has to say. Mm -hmm. um, and everyone leaves I feel like after the class. Some of them are like an hour, two hours. Sometimes we have weekend long intensives. We have a really great one coming up in September with Katherine Gross, who's amazing. And so there are these really wonderful classes that are rich with different information. And I find that each person, uh, when we go to dinner afterwards or drinks or whatever, everyone has a different thing that they've really found about themselves in that class. And it's usually different. So what one person was fascinated with is different from what another person was fascinated with and really took away from the class. So everybody kind of just grabs onto a different piece of information, which is really interesting. And then seeing them apply that later on, whether it's within a relationship or within friendships or a lot of the things we talk about really expand past just boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever sort of dynamic. Our next class is on the power of no. And so, I mean, thinking about it, who doesn't need to learn in different situations how to be able to say no and feel empowered by it? Mm -hmm. Right. I want to go to that class. And so that's right. amazing. I love that. You're more than invited. <laughs> Thank you. And I would also love to uh, post information about your intensive. And in, did you say it's in September? Yeah, it's September 9th, 10th, and 11th. Yeah, if you can send us a link, we'll happily share it with with folks and whatever Absolutely. other resources you want to share. I, we we'd like to share some articles and information. Definitely, I can send you our website. So, cool. Zoe, um, in our last episode, we were talking, Lydia and I were talking about why it's so important that we break this rule, this rule that feminists mm -hmm. shouldn't be submissive. And a couple reasons that we came up with included, um, you know, that it's a choice, for one thing, like you were talking about. And, and another one is that, you know, for everybody's safety, right? If you're in a an unhealthy submissive relationship and you don't know the difference. So this education piece is also very important that people are having conversations and not afraid to talk about this with their other feminist friends and whatnot. What reasons do you think it's important that we break this rule? I really think you two in your discussion really hit the nail on the head. To not talk about something or to make something taboo really makes it potentially unsafe. And so it's really important to have that outlet and know that it's possible and safe to discuss with whoever you feel comfortable talking to. Mm -hmm. um, and I think breaking the rule in that way allows others to understand better and allows 
even you to understand yourself better and knowing healthy ways to be in relationships or, or just different ways to interact with others and knowing that you're safe, you're, you're safe and comfortable. Would you say that, that uh, learning about this, this journey that you've taken from that dominant relationship that didn't really work for you into discovering mm -hmm. you're a submissive and actually becoming a leader in the community, do you think in any way that you've become more of a feminist as a result of breaking this role? Oh, absolutely. It's one of those things where it's like, fuck yeah, I can do that. I can make that happen. <laughs> uh, we had come up with this idea a long time ago about this convention, and we wanted to call it Subcon, and it was this really great thing, and, and there was so much just, like, possible about it, and it had so many different ideas of, like, it would be this weekend-long thing, and we'd have these amazing presenters come and whatever, and at first I was just like, no, we can't do this. Like, we're not ready. We can't do it. We can't do it. It's just not possible. And then I was sitting there, and I spoke to Sarah, who is our um, education VP, and she's incredible, and she really helps me with so much and talking to the entire board that we have about it. And at first it was like, no, we can't do this. And th that was even me who was saying this is impossible. And Sarah was just like, no, we can definitely make this happen. Like, this is not impossible. So then I was just like, well, fuck yeah, we can do it. We can do anything. Like, most people would have said that this organization wouldn't have been possible and that this would have been ridiculous. Right. But we kind of made that happen. And so if we can make something that most people say, like, is impossible happen, then why not try? Like, uh -huh. what's the worst, right? What happens? We fall flat on our face. We have to apologize to a few people, you know, save hide for a little bit and then come back. <laughs> so it, it started with this idea of, like, there's no way. And so then we were just like, you know what, fuck yeah, we're going to do this. And I find more and more that we're, there's a lot more like, we can make this happen because we can make this happen. Uh -huh. Because we can do anything we want to do. Because clearly, if it's something that we want, then it's something that somebody else wants too. Hmm. And so it, it's kind of like that whole, if you build it, they will come. Uh -huh. And so we found that it, it very much like, if you build it, they will come. People will show up if you provide it. Yeah, and I'm also hearing that there there may not be a lot of comprehensive resources that currently exist inside of what you're talking about. So it's like maybe people have been waiting for you to come and build it, and then they're like, okay, we're ready. Yeah. Like, we, like, here we are, you know. It seems like there's, yeah, I think there's, there's a, a demand for it. Yeah, that's great. I'm always happy when people want to be educated. They're like, I'm ready, teach me. <laughs> it's a good moment, yeah, right? And that yeah, and <laughs> it's the best thing and that was the first thing that like we really pushed for it was like this can't just be social fun happy hour which is wonderful like that's great but the purpose of it is education like yeah. it's the idea that if there's one girl who can just be the littlest bit more safe and not saying that whatever happened clearly things happen and they shouldn't but mm -hmm. if there's one thing you can do to make yourself just the slightest bit more safe to be a little bit more aware to know more to be able to grow more if we can do that for just one person, then it's totally worth doing. So I love I love this idea, and and you're so right um, with that last thing you said. And and something else that's that's also really coming to me as I hear you is, and, and I know Lydia will be on the same page with me here. This is exactly why we want to do this podcast. Why breaking the rules is so powerful? Because what I'm hearing from you is that when you and when the other uh, women um, or female identifying members of your organization tap into 
this thing in themselves that they would like to be submissive. They would like to give up power um, in one way in these relationships, but from a position of strength and and consent. That tapping into that and sort of aligning with their core values actually turns them into a stronger person, probably more of a feminist, probably someone with more confidence, more ability to take risks and be unafraid of uh, the consequences, ready to sort of leap into it. And I think that's sort of the, the key piece of what happens when you figure out who you really are and go for it, regardless of what your parents or society or your feminist friends have to say about it, right? In the change that I've made in the few years that we've been doing this, I'm more confident in who I am and in what I choose to do. And it's this attitude of now, like, this is who I am and you have a choice. Either you're cool with it and, or you're not. And if you're cool with it, great. Like, this is awesome and I love that I can be my whole full self with you at all times. And if you're not okay with that, that's okay too. But please understand why I'm going to choose to, to not associate or choose to take a step back from however we interact. That's great. I um, we have to we have to know. I'm just gonna ask this next sure. question. So we have to know what you thought of Fifty Shades of Grey because we were talking about oh it, my God. and we have some thoughts. Okay. I actually haven't read it or seen the movie, but we figured you have ha you have some thoughts. <laughs> I have I have lots of thoughts. I have the popular thought for the most part that it's absolute trash and garbage. I'm still waiting for my helicopter ride. Uh, I have yet to get one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it has really created this encyclopedia or this, this dictionary for people who didn't really have the ability to discuss these interactions or, or how they choose to engage with their partner. And so it created this conversation that you can have, right? <laughs> Funny to say, um, my mom actually, for the most part, knows a lot of this. And so the way it happened was my mom is a snooper and she found a butt plug. And so she asked me one day, we're having like one of those you know, mom heart-to-heart -heart where you're sitting on the couch and you're like you're hanging out together and you have one of those mom moments. And uh, she was like, I have to ask you something. And I'm like, go ahead, what is it? And she goes, are you a swinger? And I was like, what? No, where did this come from? <laughs> and I said like, we can have this conversation, but I want you to understand that if we do, I'm going to be incredibly honest with you about this. Like I'm going to tell you whatever you want to know, but please understand that I'm not going to bite my tongue or, or, you know, hide anything about this. Mm -hmm. She said, okay. And so I started to go into the dynamics I prefer on the surface level, like my mom doesn't need to know everything <laughs> of, of like how I engage with others. And so when I used the word dominance and submission, she was like, oh, like in Fifty Shades of Grey, so like, are you more of the Anna or are you more of the Christian? And I was like, no, I'm more of the Anna. And I, I think my mom didn't necessarily love that because, you know, <laughs> there is, I guess, some sort of, like, safety in her head that's that's concerning. And so just her having those terms to, to understand and really be able to place somewhere really made a difference in our conversation. And so while I think Fifty Shades of Grey is poorly written, it is trash, it is all of the bad things you can think of, you know, there are people who say that it, it's really it, almost that she's in an abusive relationship because it's isolating and all these other things. So it's a very poor example of what a real power exchange dynamic can be or an authority-based relationship can be. It does create this ability to have a conversation with somebody 
who we call them vanillas. It's kind of like the Harry Potter term of muggles for, for kinky people. Um, people who are... Oh my gosh. <laughs> People who are unaware, it, it creates this conversation that you can actually have. It's an interesting perspective. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it coming. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and I, I can totally see what you mean. That makes a lot of sense. Actually, now that you say that, what what is like one thing that you think people, as you use the word vanillas, what is, the, what is one thing that people get wrong most frequently about like what it is to be submissive or identify as a submissive. What is what are the big misconceptions about that that you've um, heard? I think one of the one of the biggest misconceptions is like this idea of basically being a doormat, um, where the bottom or the submissive in the relationship gets walked all over and gets taken advantage of constantly, doesn't have a say, doesn't get to have any input. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions. I find I communicate best in my current relationship, but I, I communicate best where there's this idea of my partner needs to know everything because that's what's going to help them make better choices with me. And it's not for me necessarily. They will ask my, my opinion. They will ask me to discuss what either I feel I need or, or what I want. But ultimately, the decision, if I choose, is not mine. And so I am in no way a doormat. I make my partner laugh. I am silly. I am obnoxious. I'm probably <laughs> my most obnoxious self with him. Um, and he'll just give me the look. I'm like, okay, no, I have said too much, or I have uh, said something that was just too obnoxious at this point, and I need to toe the line. But again, I mean, I think that's anything that happens in any relationship, right? If your partner looks at you a certain way and you're like, ooh, I kind of stepped in a spot that I should not have. And I find that most people who are in healthy, dominant, submissive, or DS relationships communicate very, very well. There's a sense of honesty and closeness uh, and intimacy that's not purely sexual. It's much deeper than that. I find you get to know your partner in a better and more personal way than you do, or that sometimes can happen in boyfriend-girlfriend relationships. Hmm. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thanks. I'm so into it. Okay, so um, we're going to put some of this on our, most of this, on our, in a blog post about this episode um, so folks have access to it. But if you'd like to share any resources, um, any books that are good examples of uh, an authority-based relationship or, or a DS relationship, you know, what, what would you like to share with folks out there who are interested in learning more about this one way or the other? Sure. I think if you're um, looking to really get started and start reading and invest yourself in it, finding books by, like, there's um, BDSM 101 by Jay Wiseman, which is a really great book. It's very straightforward, almost, I don't want to call it clinical, but it's like, this is <laughs> what it is. Here's how to be safe. Science textbook. Um, and so... <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a little personality to it, but it, it, it's not the love story of Fifty Shades by any means. Um, <laughs> there is no mention of helicopter rides in that one either, uh, which mm. is a bit disappointing. <laughs> Crap. But, <laughs> I know, I was very sad about it. There are also really great organizations that you can find and seek out. Sassy is one of them, and so that's a really 
great opportunity for if you identify as female or any sort of S-type, so whether it's submissive, bottom, masochist, uh, any sort of, we also are comfortable with switches, so if at any point in any relationship you identify as a submissive, though sometimes you're a bit toppy or dominant, that's cool too. Toppy, I love um, it. <laughs> yeah, you are welcome to join us. We also have a class once every season or so that's called New and Nervous, and it's open to everybody. Uh, because we think everybody at some point is new and nervous, right? And so it really talks about legalities. It talks about um, how to meet people and how to be safe. So we talk about what safety calls are. We talk about great places to meet people in person, whether that's dating or not. Um, and we also talk about, like, hey, if the cops show up at your door, what should you do? Hmm. Um, because sometimes that happens. And it's best to know these things than to find yourself in a situation where you need to know those things. Absolutely. Um, and that's open to everybody. And that's August 13th if you're interested. And then there's also, I think, a really great resource that isn't always used the best way, and I would say that's FetLife. And so a lot of people try to use it as a dating resource, and it is not. Let me say that very clearly, that FetLife is not a dating site by any means. It's more like, I'll say, kinky Facebook. So it's either people you are friends with and that you know in real life or people who you know through maybe a group or whatever, and you don't know them in real life, but you create this community, it's a resource where a lot of people post ideas, they post um, different things. There are not chat rooms, but there are uh, pages for groups and stuff like that, and you can really find events much, much, much easier. There's also the BDSM events calendar, which is ran by our wonderful Sarah, and so that has a list of a ton of events and classes um, Luckily, in New York City, if you're listening in New York City, it's one of the best areas for education for kink. Uh, there's pretty much a class going on every single night of the week. So you can always find something somewhere that might possibly interest you or mm -hmm. something that doesn't interest you, but you might find out later on that does. Okay. Very cool. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Zoe. No, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, it's been a pleasure and we can't wait to hear more about what our listeners think and get their feedback and continue the conversation with you and, and have them participate with Sassy if that's what if that's what they're interested in and thanks for a wonderful conversation. Absolutely, thanks. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Just to sign off, uh, if folks want to ask you any questions directly, can they get in touch with you through your website? Absolutely, they can get in touch with us through sassy, S-S-A-S-E-NYC.com. There should be a section to email, and they can definitely reach out through there, one of us from the board, or if it's directly messaged towards me, I will gladly and happily respond. Fantastic. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Yay. Thanks, <laughs> More rules worth breaking next week. See you soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of Rules Aren't Real. We hope it gave you some serious food for thought when it comes to the rules you might be following in your own lives. In fact, we'd love to hear about those personal rules of yours or any other thoughts you have about our show. Join the conversation on Instagram at RAR Podcast today. If you want to learn more about Lydia or me, please visit our website at rowancoaching.com slash RAR. Thanks again for listening. We can't wait to break some more rules with you next week. See you soon. soon.